Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports 10, 590, The Fan, Justin and Ailish, or Ailish and Justin. Either way works. Big news yesterday. The big news continues to trickle in. Friday's going to be bare bones, though. I don't know. Plenty of time to do more. I hope so. Oilers haven't done anything. Anyone from the West Coast hasn't done anything. Colorado hasn't done anything. We still have the Kane news to drop. Anyway, the big news for the Leafs, though. Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty joining the club that already brought in Nolachari and Ryan O'Reilly. And to talk about that and more, we got David Pagnota, editor-in-chief for the fourth period. What's going on, David? Not too much, guys. Just a uh, little bit of activity going on leading <laughs> up to the deadline. Nothing nothing too crazy. A little bit, eh? So much for, like, a really weak <laughs> deadline. I, I, that's what I was hearing in the lead-up. I'm like, you know there are, like, big names available. Like, Patrick Kane might get traded, and Eric Carlson might be out there, and Vladimir Tarasenko already moved. And I'm like, what are we talking about? This is a great deadline, and it could be even better. Uh, uh, I guess the, the yeah. gauge, though, on whether it's a good deadline are if people like yourself are exhausted. So what's the meter like right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> last, last night, last night, or this morning, I guess was, uh, it was nice to get a nap in. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so far. And, and the next few days, uh, I think it's going to, that, that trend is going to continue. Yeah. We're obviously we're waiting on the finality with Patrick Kane. Um, it, it could happen today. It, it looks like the, it, it was going to happen Wednesday or it's going to happen Wednesday, but there's a possibility it gets moved up today because the cap space is now there. Uh, but the Rangers don't play until Wednesday, just like the Leafs don't play until Wednesday. So there's a bit of a, a buffer zone for some of these teams that are trying to accrue a little bit of additional cap space. So we wait on that. And um, there's a lot of activity and a lot of names that are popping up here because especially up front uh, with so many forwards having already been moved, um, the market is shifting a little bit. There are a lot of defensemen out there, but the forward market, we're going to start to hear some names uh, of some guys that have a little bit of term left on their deal that are starting to get looks um, and others that have re-engaged that, excuse me, that teams have re-engaged with like Detroit's Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how these next few days play out. Yeah, it seems maybe patience pays off for teams that have not quite uh, filled out their roster yet. So we'll see if that is indeed the case. Let's uh, begin with Kane and we'll circle back to McCabe and Lafferty because I think with the Chicago connection, it, it, uh, there's something there. What do you anticipate the return to be for Patrick Kane? Because I think there's a little bit, like if you're a Leaf fan, you're excited about the what you had to give up to get Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, especially with McCabe being retained. But Kyle Davidson's yeah. kind of in seller's mode, like just get what you can. And when it comes to Patrick Kane, because he called his shot and he has so much equity with the organization, what what is get what you can with Patrick Kane? Not much. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, for, for a player of his caliber, it's going to be an underwhelming return. Uh, it's not going to be a huge dramatic package um, that is going to you know, blow people out of the water. It's going to be a pretty moderate return because the Rangers were the only team that he would sign off on. Now, Dallas was part of the mix as well, um, but once New York was willing to re-engage in this and, and get back into the mix... Uh, after the Tarasenko acquisition, then it was all hands on deck. Everything was focused on the New York Rangers. Teams like Vegas had poked around and Carolina and Edmonton made pitches. And there were uh, Toronto expressed interest. There were a few others, uh, but it just wasn't on Kane's radar, any of those teams. Uh, so you're probably looking at you know, a decent draft pick. I, I don't get a sense there's a first round pick here, but it might be conditional 
depending on how far the Rangers go. Uh, you're getting a, a prospect and maybe another asset. And then you also have to pay the third. There's a third team involved. So you're going to have to pay the third team to compensate for eating and retaining a portion of Kane's contract. The Rangers are going to get back 25% or are going to be responsible rather for 25% of Kane's cap it. It's 10.5 million. 75% of that will be eaten up by the Blackhawks and whatever team three is. And I give this team a lot of credit because it hasn't come out yet and we have no idea who it is. Uh, so they're doing a good job keeping it quiet. Probably, uh, but they're going to be getting... It's probably yeah, everybody's gonna in get Minnesota. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and the Wild, the Wild were in on this. They were in on this. Vancouver was in on this. Montreal was in on this. Vancouver ended up being more comfortable just getting Vitaly Kraftsov and not having to worry about the additional finances. But, I mean, we, we, we've laughed too. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Minnesota. Um, but they got a few other things that they're cooking on. So, yeah, kudos to Team 3 and I guess the Rangers in Chicago because they're keeping it very tight-lipped. All right. So um, we're waiting to find out more about the Patrick Kane move, which seems just pending in a day or two, as you mentioned. But um, out the door yesterday was Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks, along with the, the two conditional picks in the fifth round. Um, all right. So Leafs Nation, I think, is pretty excited about this one. The yeah. Maple Leafs don't give up too, too much. Um, nothing from their active roster. Not Matthew Nyes. Yes, the first round pick. But um, in the sense that they've really bolstered not only their bottom six, but their whole forward core here with Ryan O'Reilly. Nolachari, but also on the back end um, with their defense. So what's the reaction to this McCabe deal um, across the hockey world and just the way that Kyle, Dav- Kyle Dubas has been able to do this with Kyle Davidson, but do this um, at a cheap rate? Yeah, uh, well, this was a great deal. Um, this, this was, a, I mean, fans should be excited about this one. These are two really good players. Um, they're good on the ice. They mesh well in the room. I talked to a few players on Chicago that are obviously sad to see them go but spoke very highly of both of these guys. And, you know, McCabe's got two more years left on his deal and only $2 million now because Chicago ate another two. So to get a player of his caliber um, who can play at both ends of the ice is a big body. Um, th- this is a really good uh, acquisition to add into a team's top four. And, and Dubas mentioned yesterday how they had interest in him when he was a free agent a few years ago. So they've obviously had him on, on their radar for a while, able to bring him in. Sam Lafferty with one more year left on his contract at a very low cap rate uh, for a bottom six player of his caliber that can play strong defensively. He's very fast. Um, he, he plays an up-tempo type of game for what he brings uh, as a bottom six guy. Uh, and again, almost as important now, especially for teams that are in this position. When you're a team like the Leafs or the Bruins or whomever else that are top echelon of the league, it's just as important to bring somebody in who can do well on the ice but can also mesh with your guys off it as well. And these are two guys that should pretty seamlessly be able to come into this room, similarly to how Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Chari did, uh, and, and just not miss a beat in terms of getting along and, and, and fitting into the core of this, of this team moving forward. This was a very strong ad, both on and off the ice. And by the way, I mentioned the Bruins. They had an offer on the table as well for this exact pair, for, for McCabe and Lafferty, um, before they pulled off the Orlov and, and Hathaway deal. So the, Toronto's been in this, but Chicago has been working the lines for quite some time, and they obviously felt comfortable in the return they got. But from Toronto's perspective, this is a, a very strong ad. 
Interesting. It's hard to upgrade that the, or it's hard to argue that the Bruins didn't upgrade with Orlov and Hathaway, but uh, nice to uh, be able to swoop in there if you're Kyle Dubas. And, and with that deal specifically, it's it's hard to argue that they haven't struck the perfect balance with cost, control, utility. I mean, McCabe and Lafferty mm-hmm. doing what they need for multiple seasons seems like uh, a slam dunk here for Kyle Dubas. Uh, we were talking about the two Kyles to start our show. I, I find that it's only been two deals, but it feels like they may have stumbled upon like the perfect marriage here where they can use each other to accomplish their goals. Of course, one of them, Dubas is trying to win a Stanley cup. The other Davidson is trying to get as bad as possible, but listen, these guys are young and Dubas has had, you know, questions of whether or not he has all the relationships around the league that you might need, but these two feeding off each other feels like there's something here that's important for these two teams. Uh, It is. And and you remember they were, uh, a little ticked off at each other last year when some news leaked about Marc-Andre Fleury and a third party and all of that stuff. Uh, so they obviously made up. But, um, yeah, I mean, when, you, when you've got, you know, relationships that you build around the league, uh, it makes it easier to, to, A, communicate what you're trying to do and, B, execute it, um, you know, depending on, obviously, the situation. I mean, if both of these teams are in contender status, it makes it a little tougher. And... If you're in separate divisions, and in this case, separate conferences even, it does make things a little bit easier to navigate the trade waters with and, you know, to potentially feed off each other. You know, the the fact that, again, Chicago was able to retain half of McCabe's deal, and it's only a $2 million cap hit for a player that is arguably a four-plus million dollar player based on what he brings to the table um, is a huge win. And to be able to do that, and, and really from the get-go have an understanding that money is going to be retained and what the cost is going to be. It, it made the negotiation process, from my understanding, a lot easier than, you know, having to haggle or somebody that you don't have a good relationship with or is a new GM that is coming in that just either trying to max out a return because they're trying to save face here. I give David some credit. He knows exactly what he's looking to do with this club. There will be more activity um, with with the Blackhawks, even outside of Kane, Andreas of Tennessee who's getting attention. Tyler Johnson, uh, we're starting to hear, is, is entering the mix as well. And Connor Murphy uh, on that back end. So there's more that's going to happen there. And Max Domi, if they don't agree on an extension, although I think it's trending in that direction, I think a three- or four-year deal around $4 million per year is what's been discussed uh, to keep him in Chicago for a little bit. So don't be surprised if we see that in the next few days. But um, the relationship to have between these two GMs and just around the league when you've got that, it does make things a little bit easier, especially at this time of year when you've got to make some types of moves. Do you think there's more moves coming for the Maple Leafs this week? People are hungry to make it a trifecta to upgrade the, the goaltending as well. I don't know if that's possible, if there's anything out there, but uh, any tiny little moves that could be done. I know Dubas didn't close the door on that yesterday in his media conference, but uh, any breadcrumbs that you can follow? Yeah, in a perfect world in these next, you know, three days, they'd like to be able to create a little bit of cap flexibility. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to, and I know Alex Kerfoot's name is out there and Justin Hall's name is out there. Um, if they create enough, soon enough, then it may give, you know, Kyle an opportunity to see if there are any potential deals that may fall into his lap, prices drop for other players. I would be a little bit surprised, quite frankly, if we see any other big-type moves for this club, if anything, if they do free up the cap space, um, which is what they're trying to do, if there are depth type of acquisitions that could be brought into this mix, I think that's something that they're going to consider. Um, 
Goaltending wise, I haven't heard much. Um, you know, we, we know that John Gibson name is out there again, out of Anaheim. Um, uh, Thatcher Demko is out there after coming back and playing for Vancouver yesterday. I think both of those scenarios are going to be played out in the off season. Um, I mean, stranger things have happened and, and something could come, up, could come out of left field. I'm just not really anticipating it. I think if anything, if you're looking for more moves, you're probably going to see something that's primarily focused on freeing up some cap space. And then if, as I said, something falls into place and there's a depth piece that all of a sudden was originally a third round pick, but now it's a fifth round pick, as an example, that's something that I think uh, Dubas and his staff are going to look at over the next few days. We are chatting with David Peñota, editor-in-chief at the fourth period. Um, so the initial shock is worn off from the Tanner Janot deal. Uh, and with that, are <laughs> hockey people kind of coming around on that? And what does Tampa Bay, else, Tampa Bay have uh, in store elsewhere? Uh, clearly, Leaf fans are sizing up that team, and it feels like, hey, if anyone's yeah. being reactionary here, might have to be the Lightning. Yeah, um, and they say they're not, um, and, and everybody says they're not, but they kind of are. Uh, but, but, yeah, I, I, it has worn off. The shock of a, a defensive or defenseman and five draft picks for Janot, Um it, it, it definitely caught a lot of people off guard, but then once things started to wear off, everybody was kind of like, eh, well, it's the lightning. They've done it before. All right, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. And, yeah, it was a high price to pay, and they will get Geno signed to an extension at some point, um, and it'll be at a reasonable price, and it'll make us all go, okay, yep, of course they're going to do this. Uh, but, you know, he fits that mold quite well. This was the exact type of player about a, three weeks ago I was told they wanted this caliber kind of guy. I didn't think they were going to pull off Janot by any stretch. Um, but they wanted a guy who was just a mucky, grimy type of player that can create some offense, too. He's a bottom six guy, but, hey, you know what? Tonight he's going to be a first-line player, and he's going to look like a first-line player. One of those interchangeable assets that are just your physical power forward that is not afraid to get dirty by any stretch and, and is a snarly kind of player. That's exactly what they've been looking for, and they were able to pull it off. So for them the juice is worth the squeeze because they're able to make that happen. Uh, I think if anything, now they do have, you're looking at their roster overall, and similarly to Toronto, there's a glut of players, NHL caliber players. So if they can move something out and maybe get a depth defenseman, a number seven guy that can slot in if they need to or be interchangeable come playoff time, I think that's what Tampa would, would like to do. But if they hold firm and nothing falls into place, they're very comfortable with their lineup now. So the East is just a powerhouse of teams. It's going to be scary trying to get through that. Um, any more moves yeah, from anybody that you predict to continue to, to you know, battle back and forth, like this chess battle that we're seeing with the East Boston? Um, you know, you mentioned Tampa, but can those teams continue to get better? And is the West Coast just sleeping or waiting? Like, what's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in the East, the team I'm looking at right now, uh, quite frankly, is Carolina. I'm very curious to see what the Hurricanes do. Um, in terms of Eastern teams. They're one of the, well, if you look at the, the top six teams in the East, they're the ones that haven't done anything yet. Um, now, they're looking for more, I mean, they're, they're looking for the right deal, and they're looking more so for guys with term that are not just going to be a rental type piece, similarly to what Toronto did yesterday. Um, so they're talking to Philly about Kevin Hayes at the center position. Philly is willing to retain money on his seven-plus million. So that's an option for Carolina. They've spoken to Anaheim about both John Klingberg, who is a UFA, and Adam Henrique, who's got one year left on his deal. And they've also entered the Jacob Chikrin race on defense. They want to get somebody on that left side. And I was told late last night, 
that Chikrin is on their radar and they have had talks about him. So I'm, I'm curious to see what Carolina can pull off here um, in terms of the, the, the top echelon teams in the Eastern Conference. And, and we'll see some more tweaking from a few other teams. The Islanders are looking for another forward. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking for almost anything, quite frankly, up front defense. Uh, I'm curious about their goaltending. I think they bring in somebody um, on, on that side and and just kind of go from there. And Florida doesn't have much cap space, but they're kind of looking around. And uh, you, you go out west and, you know, Dallas made the acquisition of bringing in Evgeny Dodonov from Montreal on Sunday. He scored last night, uh, but they're still looking for some offense too. Minnesota's looking for rental pieces. Uh, this year, James Van Riemsdyk has been on their radar. They're looking to free up a little bit of money too from a long-term side of things. And Vegas. Vegas wants... Uh, to make some kind of splash. They were in on Timo Meyer until the morning uh, of that deal, and then New Jersey just kind of took it away. But they're looking to make some moves too, and, and I'll be interested to see what they pull off. And, and just cycling back on Chikrin a little bit, L.A. has never left the conversation. They're still very much in there. Got to admit, I forgot about John Klingberg. His name has kind of <laughs> disappeared a little bit with the, the Gavrikovs and Chikrins uh, and everyone yeah. else moving. This guy... This guy was signed to be a rental asset right. at this time of year. So, of course, he's definitely got to go. Uh, one and player. He's sorry. And, and just quickly, he, uh, just quickly to add, and he's heating up at the right time. He's got nine points in as many games. He knows they're trying to trade him. Uh, and he knows there are teams that are looking for a mobile offensive left shot defenseman. So he's, he's upping his game at the right time. I love that sleepwalk through the, the entire <laughs> season for $7 million, but turn it on at the right time. Uh, hopefully John Klingberg <laughs> lands somewhere where he can have an impact. Uh, my dream looks like the ship has sailed on my dream, which is Eric Carlson moving on. Is that, uh, is that facts, yeah. David? It seems like it. Yeah. At least now uh, it, it will be, it will be revisited in the summer, but um, you know, San Jose had tried um, certainly, especially when the GM comes out and says, yeah, we're willing to listen on one of the best defensemen in the league. That usually draws a lot of attention. But unfortunately, uh, it just doesn't seem like it's there. Unless something completely changes today, tomorrow, you know, up until Friday, um, it, it doesn't seem like it. Mike Greer, their GM, came out a couple of days ago after the Timo Meyer trade and said, we just have nothing there with, with Eric Carlson. We don't expect to trade him. And he spoke yesterday, Carlson did, and said, echoed the same thing. He hasn't had any talks about waiving his no-movement clause, and it'd be a little difficult to pull that off in, in, in a few days, unless it's the perfect fit, which it just doesn't sound like it. Edmonton was right there, but they wanted San Jose to eat too much. They wanted them to eat around $5 million, 4 to $5 million in salary per year on his AAV. It's $11.5 million for four more years after this season. San Jose just wasn't willing to do that. Edmonton was comfortable in the 2 to 3 range didn't get there. And quite frankly, guys, those talks stopped like three, four weeks ago. Mm. Um, so it, it just never really got anywhere. There are other teams that have expressed interest earlier on in the season. I think they're going to circle back in the summer. Um, but San Jose is an interesting team because they're looking to make some moves. Kevin LeBanc um, has asked but not really asked for a trade. So they're trying to make that happen. And they're looking to make some additions as well. Um, they've talked to Minnesota about Jordan Greenway. They've talked to Nashville about Dante Fabro. And they're looking for mid to early 20s type players that they can slot into this roster. So I think we're going to see more activity from San Jose. It just probably won't include Eric Carlson. 
So with the Oilers, I mean, last night was exciting anyway with uh, Connor McDavid getting his 50th goal. But what are they up to right now? Because the window might be closing on Connor McDavid and this contract that they've all had signed up and locked in. And you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some uh, anxiety about making him have a, an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. And, and I don't think that they can hold out for too long. Are they looking to add anyone big? I know you mentioned the Carlson thing as maybe the ship has sailed, but don't they need to try to bolster their lineup to make a playoff push? Yeah, they absolutely do. And they're, they're trying. I mean, Kenny Holland's trying. He's been trying for some time. He's been fairly passive and, and patient. Um, but eventually, you're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive here. And, and he's looking at the defensive market. This is a team that wants to add and has been trying to add that mobile guy on that back end. Um, but they also need somebody that can just shut guys down. And, and as much as you know, a team wants the offense, we've been saying this for months, they need to get in guys that can help out the goaltending. As much as it's been a struggle for Jack Campbell, and it hasn't been easy on Stuart Skinner, even though he's been a little bit better overall. Um, they need some support there. And for this team that plays at such a high pace, you get caught sometimes in your own zone, and you basically your goaltender is kind of left to dry. So they're looking at guys that can play a shutdown type of role. As much as like Klingberg is a guy they'd love to get, um, Anaheim would have to eat half of their deal. But I don't even think that's it. Uh, they're, they're still in the market for a shutdown type player. Joel Edmondson out of Montreal, they're still talking about. Uh, Matthias Ekholm's name has, has come up over the last four or five days with them in discussions with Nashville. He's got three more years left on his deal. So there's, it, 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 it allows, and, and Edmondson, by the way, has one. So they're looking at guys that can play a rental role, but also players like these guys that can have an impact for a couple of seasons. So they're, they're absolutely looking. They were in on Sam Lafferty, by the way. Um, they liked him, so they're also looking at shoring up their bottom six. I mean, I, I suspect there's going to be a, a two or three moves out of Edmonton, but the Oilers are another team, and Holland is outside of these players that is kind of looking for those bargain deals. And if the prices drop, they might be able to pounce on something, uh, and that's what they're looking at. The defensive market right now is vast. Like the, 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 the prices, it's a buyer's market for defensemen at the moment. And that's what he's hoping will happen with some guys up front, too, uh, over these next few days. So I think the Oilers will make a couple moves at least. Um, but, you know, it, it's got to be the right moves for them. And uh, Ekholm, Edmondson, Gavrikov, they're going to – or they have circled back on, excuse me, and the price has dropped there. That's exactly what they're looking to, to do. So those are scenarios that are probably going to play out in some form with those caliber of players going to Edmonton. So maybe some life to come from the West Coast. Uh, last one for you here, David. Uh, Colorado on a six-game winning streak here still has the second-best odds to win the Stanley Cup. What are they looking to do um, at this trade deadline to you know, uh, continue to try to get a back-to-back Stanley Cup win here? Yeah, well, they're, they're supposed to get an answer either today or tomorrow on the timeline for Gabe Landeskog and... Um, Eric Johnson. Mm-hmm. Johnson's out. He, he broke his ankle um, recently, I think last week. And they're trying to get a sense. Is he going to be done for the regular season or is there a possibility he comes back? Because that affects their salary cap situation. They have no cap space. Um, Landis Gog, if he's coming back in the regular season and all signs point to that, uh, they're going to need to create a little bit of extra space in order to get him and his cap number in the lineup. So if Johnson's out, they can put his $6 million on LTIR it gives them the opportunity to bring uh, Landis Gog, excuse me, back into the lineup and also make some ads. So they're waiting to see exactly what the reports are from a timeline perspective on both of those guys. And they're supposed to get it either today or 
tomorrow. So that will help dictate exactly what they're going to do. They are looking. Chris McFarland, the GM, spoke yesterday and said he is looking. He's keeping his tabs on the market. Um, they just need to figure out the money situation for them. And if they can, if, if they have an opportunity, if Johnson's out and they have an opportunity to add, they're going to look to do that. He also said he's not afraid to move his first-round pick. It just has to be the right deal. So what that means to me is that they're looking for an impact type of addition um, if they're going to consider moving that pick at all. But they, they brought depth. They brought Jack Johnson back. Uh, now they just got to figure out the next few things uh, over the next couple of days here. And uh, don't be surprised if they make ads. Just like they did last year, they made a couple of moves that helped them secure that cup championship with Manson and Lekkonen and, and a couple others. Uh, they're looking to do something similarly if they have the finances to do it. All right, some important information to come for them before we see some more moves. But a couple days left for the trade deadline action to happen. Uh, David, appreciate you joining us, breaking it all down, and good luck with the next couple days. <laughs> yeah, a uh, coffee machine is on overdrive. Tell we, you that. We know the feeling. <laughs> Thanks, David. Yeah, I'm sorry. Take care, guys. Uh, that's David, David Panyota, editor-in-chief at the fourth period. So it's not the wake and rake yet. Mm-hmm. But just quickly, you can get Colorado near even money right now to win the Central Division. Just two points back. Two games in hand on Dallas. It's available, and Colorado's coming, and as David Pagnona just outlined, they're probably at it. And Dallas blew my wake and rake last night. OT lost to the Canucks. Brutal. They did. They did. They're struggling here. All right. Uh, before we take a break and talk to John Morosi about your spring training Blue Jays and round up how it's going down in Dunedin. We're giving away tickets to all motorsports fans. The Motorama Custom Car and Motorsports Expo presented by eBay Motors will be at Toronto's International Centre March 10 to 12, and we're giving away passes. All you have to do is text the code word to 59599. You'll be automatically entered for the giveaway. Today's code word is eBay Motors. Text eBay Motors to 59590 right now for your chance to win. Today's the last day we're giving away tickets, so be sure to text eBay Motors 59590 for your chance to attend Canada's largest indoor motorsports show. eBay Motors. Can be two words, folks. Two words. All right, best of luck. On the other side, John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, joining us live from Dunedin. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, your Toronto Blue Jays back on the mound today at 1 p.m. You can catch that on Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, the Sportsnet app. Wherever you consume Sportsnet, you can get your Blue Jays. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Sportsnet across the board will have that. Taking on the Detroit Tigers. Blue Jays is a little bit of a tough loss yesterday. There are no tough losses nowadays. There's no such thing in spring training. You find something to to salvage from every opportunity. And big news yesterday with the Blue Jays hiring former Houston Astros GM, James Click. Big deal. Let's talk to John Morosi, MLB Network Insider, joining us now. How's it going, John? Outstanding, Alish and Justin. Uh, yeah, big news. A little bit of shades of Alex Anthopoulos from all those years ago, didn't you think? We did think that. Um, this is a big move in terms of... James Click becoming the new VP of baseball strategy. Now, what does a VP of baseball strategy do? <laughs> That's a great question, Alish. <laughs> there are a lot of titles now in, mm-hmm. uh, in the Major League Baseball world, some of which are clear, others like this. 
that are less so. Uh, but I, I do think that in, in James's case, he'll bring a couple things. No, number one, he obviously just won the World Series as a GM. And, and that team in Houston is going through the really important work of who do you sign to extensions, how do you do it, how much of the budget do you allocate to it. So even though he wasn't necessarily doing that work this offseason for the Astros, he's been familiar with where the, the preparations in, in that direction were going. And for him, I, I think that will be a really valuable contribution because he'll know – He'll know more about how to, produce, how to sort of approach Bo and Vlad and a lot of the decisions that the Jays have to make, including Alec Manoa as well as, as that process moves on. So I think that's one key part. The other part is let's not forget where he was previous to Houston. He was a Tampa Bay Ray. And, and that organization, we know how valuable the process is and, and how good their executives are around the sport. So if you think about a team in, in Tampa that the Jays are always competing with uh, for playoff berths, now you've got someone who has intimate knowledge of the way that they operate. And, and I think that's going to be a really valuable voice to have uh, in the Jays' front office for a long time to come. So definitely has the resume, but interesting that a general manager for a World Series team would be leaving that team. Why, why did he leave the Astros? That's a great question. Uh, I think it begins with uh, with his relationship with Jim Crane, the Astros owner, not being as strong as it probably could have been or, or might have been in a, in a different period of time in his career there in Houston. And I think like a lot of things, no matter how much success you're having on the field or, or on the ice or on the court, if, if, you're, not, if you're not seeing eye-to-eye necessarily with your boss, a lot of things a lot of things sort of fade into the background and it doesn't matter as much and i think that's exactly what happened he he was he was offered a a sort of token extension to to stay there but it wasn't at all representative of what you would typically expect it to be for someone that just won the world series and i think james could tell that it wasn't really um his his future there based on the way that jim crane viewed his contribution so he moved on. He said, no, again, I, I really think there's a lot of similar threads to, Al- to Alex Anthopoulos and the Jays. When Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins took over, Alex did not think that he was going to be able to be as as valuable in terms of his voice in the in the decision-making to what, uh, what had been the case previously, and I think he just decided to move on. And um, I think it's a very similar thing with, with James Click and, and now joining the Blue Jays and, and of course, Jays fans would love it, love it if if James Click helps to add a World Series title in Toronto the way that Alex did in in Atlanta. And certainly, obviously, by the time Alex got to Atlanta via the Dodgers, he was then the GM. And I don't think that you necessarily have to have James Click as the GM somewhere to make a meaningful contribution. I would I would point out to to Ben Charrington, who also won a World Series as the Red Sox GM, was was a top executive in the Jays with player development for a long time, and things worked out there pretty well. You, you saw a lot of strides made by uh, the organization during that time. So I, I think that um, while there is the potential outwardly for there to be 
some confusion about, oh, you've got a World Series winning GM there uh, in a less prominent role. What does that mean for Ross Atkins? I, I, I don't really see that being an issue because of the culture of the Jays and how their front office works. John, was there like a conscious effort to change up some of the leadership or behind the scenes with the Blue Jays this year just because Don Mattingly is an addition as well and now we're seeing the addition of James Click or just the way that the cards kind of fell and, and good opportunities presented themselves? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think on the on the field staff, there was going to be some turnover, obviously, with a first year manager and and um, still having to reshuffle some of the the staff, some of who, of course, have remained uh, since Charlie Montoyo's time with the organization. But I, I think that Alish, there's a sentiment around this team right now that that they are in the finishing stage of what should be a World Series team. That's where they're at, and when you're that close. You invest a little bit more in your staff. You invest a little bit more in your front office, and, and having a great leader like Don Mattingly and everything that Don brings to the to the conversation. Remember the the Dodgers' streak of NLS championships began with him as their manager, and so he's been in the playoffs multiple times. This is a an organization that I think is really valuing people and and putting them in situations to help a really talented group reach that next stage and i'll be curious to see you know you look at nate pearson and 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 coming into camp in in great shape and how does is there one little piece that james click can offer i mean the, the rays are famous for taking pitchers who have good stuff and helping them really refine what they do and if there's maybe one suggestion one pitch one process that that can be handled from a back office perspective that's then channeled to Pete Walker and eventually given to Nate Pearson. And if all of a sudden he becomes the pitcher that we thought, uh, that that one decision and one bit of advice and one bit of information would probably validate James Click's salary based on what Nate Pearson can do on the field. So uh, when you have a great staff like the Jays are building, it really opens up a lot of possibilities for you. Okay, so spring training starting here with the Blue Jays. We are seeing some Nate Pearson, some Kikuchi. Um, Barrios of the whole new off-season workout plan and new hairdo and everything. So uh, we, we were talking about Shai Davidi yesterday about trying to find the things that are actually tangible takeaways from spring training games because sometimes you can get really overreactive um, about the highs and the lows. So if we want to start with Nate Pearson, um, looks like he's – Coming in with a lot of confidence, looks like he's putting himself in a good opportunity to find success this season in a different role. Now, is that how you're looking at what the Blue Jays are going to de- deploy Nate Pearson as this season? And is this the time that we actually see the value of what he can bring to this roster? Yes, and I think Ailish, in Nate Pearson's case, he's no longer the top-end starting pitching prospect that he was. He could potentially earn his way back to that later on in his career, but that's not what's in the cards right now. He needs to find a way to be a really good one- or two-inning reliever and and utilize that power stuff in a short burst. Now, certainly I think strike throwing can still be an issue. It, it even was in his last time out, but he just has, just based on his physicality and his strength uh, and where his body's at now, I, I think he's got a much better chance to to endure to stay healthy, that's another big part of this, 
and and to find a way to to be a member of this organization in the in the bullpen at least to begin the season. I mean, that that to me is is a key thing. You know that and and let's remember the larger conversation here about baseball in 2023 and that's the the pitch clock you you need to have tempo you need to work with tempo and tempo um like in hockey like in basketball any other sport it's going to take a lot of wind and conditioning to be able to to play at that tempo and so i i think that nate pearson being in better physical shape is is great uh, from an overall wellness perspective but it's also essential in in the modern baseball if if you can't throw a pitch every every 15 seconds you can't work now that's that's it and i think that his his ability to stay in better rhythm is is really important um and, and i think too you know locating and and throwing strikes will still probably be his last mountaintop if he hits that if he really lowers his walks per nine into a manageable area, I think that he is going to be a member of the Jays' bullpen and a very effective one at that. Over the next couple of weeks with spring training, are Kikuchi and Barrios the main focal points for us as fans and as media to see how they develop, um, how their offseason plans work, and how they're going to fit in this bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays? Yes, I, I think with, with Kikuchi in particular, uh, the, the number that stood out to me in his outing was the no walks. You know, If he's, if he's not walking, guys... He's got a really good chance, and he might be someone that that the, the new pitch clock is good for him. He might he might stay in better rhythm. He might have better tempo as a result of it. So I, I think that for me it was a tremendous first outing for him, and I think going forward it's going to be a really really good perspective for for Kikuchi to stay in that rhythm and keep things moving. The other part of this with Barrios, as you mentioned, uh, and and I love by the way the the hairdo. Now of course right? he's already getting his hair. <laughs> In, in World Baseball Classic form because, of course, Team Puerto Rico is known for their blonde hair when they compete at Los Rubios, as they are known in, in Puerto Rico. So the blondes is the, is, is, is the translation there. So he's got to make sure that his, his hair is already uh, in, in that form, and uh, he will leave shortly uh, to be able to play for Team Puerto Rico uh, sometime middle part of next week. So um, for me, to watch Berrios work, I think he clearly has come in with something to prove. You can tell he's got a smile on his face, really good perspective about things. And so he'll probably get one, maybe two more appearances before he goes to the WBC, but I, I think it might just be one. Uh, but he's, he is he's ready for that assignment, and, and I think he's going to be pitching in, in huge games. That's where... If you're a Canadian baseball fan, uh, Jays fan, you've got reasons to watch Puerto Rico carefully because how he emerges from that tournament is going to be paramount to the success of the Jays this season. Give us the name of the nickname for Puerto Rico one more time. Los Rubios, the blonde. That's where my allegiance is. (laughs) <laughs> there right you now. go, Los Rubios. Very good. Yeah, I mean, certainly. So we'll have, and by the way, a little, uh, uh, little programming note. I, I'll, I will be with Team Canada, Team Canada's pool in Arizona starting. I fly there next week. So I'll be able to, you know, certainly my, a lot of my focus will be Team USA, but we'll be there with, with Team Canada as well. So I'll, I'll have some, some daily reports there from the Ernie Witt managed Canadians. He is the only person to manage in every edition of the World Baseball Classic. So I'll be wow. mentioning more and more about the WBC uh, in our next conversation as those conversations go along during the month of March. Yeah, I guess I got to support Canada too. Uh, the pitch clock, John, it's uh, shortening games. What are you going to do with all your it free is. time this summer? 
Well, that's the question. And I think that any player, uh, with all due respect to, to certainly the players and their preferences of how the game is played, because I value their judgment, but anybody who uh, who is not so sure about this pitch clock, uh, could I interest you in three and a half hours every week you bet. or with your family? Because that's what it appears is going to be the case. That's pretty awesome. Uh, and again, we're not taking out game action here. It's just that the spaces are, are lessened and the rhythm is better. I think it's been a phenomenal rollout. I think it's proven to a lot of people that this works. Um, I, I was looking at just the, the Jays' box score from the weekend, their game against the Yankees. I think um, 14 combined runs on a windy day in Dunedin. Trust me, I've covered spring training games like that, and sometimes the, the time of game for those begins with a four. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was three hours and five minutes. That's uh, good. That's progress. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and so it, it's going to be a better product. Uh, we're used to... NHL games often will last less than three hours, and they're action-packed and awesome. And um, no one, no one ever leaves a ballpark and says, "You know, I wish I had more time to wait in between pitches." <laughs> they no. don't say that. You're right. So uh, the MLB is giving the fans what they're asking for, which is more action. And I think it's going to really benefit the players. It's going to benefit fans, and I think it's going to benefit the growth of the game in the long term. I will say I do appreciate it in the postseason where TV networks have the time to pan to the pitcher and the batter and the catcher, the manager, yeah. the fans. I, I do kind of – I think I'll miss that a little bit when it's moving very quickly in the playoffs, but I, I'll trade that for the three hours you mentioned every week mm-hmm. in the summer uh, 100%. But when we do look at the pitch clock, who do you see as facing maybe the steepest learning curve and how confident are you in everyone's abilities to adapt to this and make it work really well? They're going to have to adapt. And and Johnny Cueto is someone that I look at. You know, he he started the game over the weekend. We know his his shimmies, a lot of the things that he does that are really unique. Um, Johnny is is going to have to adapt. He's done things one way for a long time. He, I think he arrived at the major leagues in 2007 uh, or eight, and he's going to have to change. Uh, and that's going to take time. Uh, we saw James Karinchak with Cleveland over the weekend. He also struggled a bit and had a violation. Um, it's it's not going to be easy, but they'll figure it out. I, I think that batters have probably a comparatively easy time than pitchers will because their routine, even if it's the Nomar Garcia-Para thing uh, from years ago, you still have to be able to just step in and, and, and face the pitch. I think that in the case of the of the pitcher, there's a bit more going on there. They actually have to complete their action within the allocated time. So I think there'll be some pitchers, whether they're like Karinchak or Cueto, and Cueto had a rough outing the other week, other day. He he lasted one inning, I believe, and gave up several runs to St. Louis and never really got comfortable. He's going to have to find a way to adjust, and I think that's going to be now uh, the, the charge for everybody. So I certainly think this the onus for now appears to be more on the pitchers, um, but this is going to be a holistic way of, of changing the game. I love there not being a shift. And it was interesting, and I mentioned this to you, I think, last week, that uh, in the in the long term, let's check back on this topic in May, June, because Chris Bassett of the Jays told me he thinks that the bigger bases will be the more significant enduring change, that everybody's going to adjust the clock early, and then the bigger bases will make a real impact. So uh, in terms of a team like the Jays that can steal bases. So uh, a lot changing in a short amount of time, but it's all made me even more excited than ever for the start of the season. 
Last one for you, John. You spent some time around Dunedin, some conversations I'm sure you've been having. Anyone talking about a Vladdy mega extension? <laughs> or has that been pushed uh, to the I, side? I have not heard that uh, th- this spring. And, and now, now certainly th- those things can change. You saw the Padres, Manny Machado, they were not signing an extension. All of a sudden, a couple of days later, here's a mega deal for Manny Machado. So things can change quickly, but... I don't really see that imminently happening right now for Vlad and the Jays. Uh, it, it could, and if it's, and as I've said before, if it's going to happen, this next month is pivotal. He really needs to, to find a way to, to get this deal done in the near term for it to have a, an excellent chance of success. And if, if, they can't, if they can't do it by this opening day, then you really put all the pressure into the final uh, or to the to the penultimate year, uh, which of course would be next year, next spring training. Because I just I don't see Vlad and Bo signing something in spring of twenty five when it would be their final their final time before free agency. I just I think once you're that close, you probably take it to free agency, as Pools did, for example. So uh, it's a it's a great question, but I did not hear any vibes of progress there, but the the Machado extension is recent history to tell us uh, things can sometimes happen away from the eye of the public that actually end up happening. Maybe things will click into place now that uh, James has arrived. Ah, very good. You could be a headline writer. Uh, That phone you hear is is the is sportsnet.ca asking to help with some some headline writing. Listen, I volunteered yourself for more work. Well done, Justin. I can take on more responsibility around here. No problem. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Uh, We appreciate you coming on, John. uh, Enjoy the lead up to the World Baseball Classic. I'm sure we'll talk a little World Baseball Classic with you soon. We look forward to that. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. And I, I'm still trying to find this universe in which the Red Wings might be buyers at the NHL oh. trade deadline. How about how about that? Anything the original 16 playing well again. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Tyler Bertuzzi might be on the move, too. Anything it seems is possible for the old Red Wings. That's right. Steve Eisenman may, may still find a way to, to, to buy and sell at the same time. But I, I trust in number 19 as I did uh, as, a, as a young Red Wing fan myself. So there you go. You have to. Thanks, John. <laughs> All the best. Thanks. That's John Morosi, MLB Network Insider. No uh, Vladdy extension talks yet, but we should have said, John, you get in there and you start the whisper, say, hey, you know, I was actually, uh, I heard someone saying Vladdy signing yeah. long term. And then just gets broken Shy telephone all the way it. up the chain. Yeah. Shy's like, oh, well, I heard it too. And then, you know, Kayla McGrath down there, she hears it. The whole squad starts talking about it and we manifest it. And manifestation is successful. We've done it with Ryan O'Reilly here mm-hmm. with Gloria on the show. You got to put that into practice. Maybe that's the key. Or James Click will be the key for I Vladdy Guerrero Jr. You, know, you did a great job. I there. like that. He's like, uh, you know, maybe there, maybe James Click can help out some of the pitchers they currently have on the roster. I'm thinking, can we bring some of those Astros arms over? <laughs> yeah. How do you get those guys? That's next year. Okay. Might be a next year thing. We'll try our best. Um, as we mentioned, Blue Jays, two games on Tuesday. Split squads taken on the Phillies and the Tigers. You can see the Jays take on Detroit at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet. You can stream the game on Sportsnet.ca as well as the Sportsnet app. Before we take a break, reminder to send your Wake and Rake submissions in at 590-590. You've got the Toronto Raptors hosting the Chicago Bulls tonight at 7.30 p.m. And full slate of NHL and NBA to send your picks in for. We'll get to that at 8.30, but we're going to have our buddy Pierre Maguire joining us at 
the other side of the break. And Peter Galindo at 8.30, so we'll have a little shortened wake and rake. So we'll get to that. But we got to talk about this Canada soccer news with uh, Bontis resigning. Um, that's all to come in the 8 o'clock hour on the Fan Morning Show.